Look, our brains are great at lots of things, but remembering passwords is not one of them, especially not secure passwords. Let's free our brains from being password managers and get something way better. 1Password. One 1Password one keeps everything private and in sync across multiple devices. 1Password can't see the passwords or sensitive information you store in 1Password, so they can't use it, share it, or sell it, and neither can anyone else. I've been using 1Password for about 10 years now, and it's made my life so much easier, especially using it with Touch ID and Face ID. It's the first thing I install on any new phone, computer, or tablet I'm using for myself or my family. And all you have to remember is one strong account password that protects everything else your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. And I love that something I use to save me so many hours I can't even count them all is something you can try too. Right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash beyond for your growing business. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash beyond. Don't let security slow your business down. Go to onepassword.com slash beyond. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where we talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Rob Hatch, president of Owner Media. And if that sounds familiar, it's because Chris Brogan and Rob Hatch are business partners in Owner Media. In this conversation, you'll hear Rob and I talk about ownership and what that really means, discipline, and creating systems that will help us put success in our way and help us get out of our own way of our success. Before we get into that, I want to let you know about something really cool that will also set you up for success. Seth Godin's Alt-MBA Workshop. This is an intense leadership and management workshop designed for people who want to have a bigger impact. They do this about four times a year, bringing together two groups of about 100 to 120 leaders. They curate the group to pick the right mix of people from different industries and areas of expertise. The end result is that when you are part of these groups, you're surrounded by leaders who are the top of their respected fields. The workshop splits you up into groups every week, so you're meeting with a bunch of people that you would never otherwise get to meet and work with. And that's a really unique way to get and give feedback and be able to see your blind spots in a whole new way. During the course of the workshop, you work on 13 projects during the month and creating actual work. It's not just about passively consuming content to learn something. It's about rolling up your sleeves, actively putting the concepts into practice and making habits out of that practice. You drink from the fire hose, rewire your brain, create better habits, and the alumni from Alt-MBA have said that they would do it again in a heartbeat. In fact, over 1,000 plus people from over 580 cities and 49 countries have done this before and would do it again. And if you think about it, most online courses have about a 7% completion rate. This Alt-MBA has a 96% completion rate. And with Seth Godin's name on it, you know it's got to be good. If you're looking for a way to have a bigger impact, the Alt-MBA could be what you need. 
So if you're tired of courses that you purchase and never finish or only give you videos that you watch a little bit of and then just bookmark to come back to later, check out Alt-MBA. They're now accepting applications for the summer and fall sessions. To find out more, go to altmba.com. For special consideration, drop an email to them at todo at altmba.com and they will send you the details directly. You can even tell them that Eric sent you. Again, that's to do at altmba.com. Again, send them an email to to do, T-O-D-O, at altmba.com or get to altmba.com. Now enjoy this conversation with Rob Hatch. Well, this week it is my privilege to bring to the show Rob Hatch. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thanks so much, Eric. Appreciate it. So I read your newsletter and though a lot of people tout you know chris brogan's newsletter as one of these newsletters that you have to be on i've got to say that i think oh gosh i'm gonna say this i almost like yours better (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much because you're 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 approaching your newsletter and and why i make that comparison will be apparent in a second um i like that you're coming from it at an angle from it, uh, less about marketing, although that's not what Chris always does, but you're coming at it from an angle that I, t- that I approach this show from, which is kind of this holistic kind of productivity angle. And so mm-hmm. I, I love when you put new ones of that out. But why I make that comparison, obviously, is because you work with Chris in I do. owner media. <laughs> so uh, what is your role there? How the heck did you get wrapped up with Chris in owner media and how'd that all start? Yeah, I'm. Uh, my role there is the president. Uh, that's the official title. But I handle a lot of the sort of operational aspects behind the scenes. Chris and I actually have known each other since middle school. Oh my! Or uh, you know, junior high. We met when he moved to my town for a couple of years, and became fast friends. Hung out a lot, and then he moved away, and I never heard from him until it was actually right after nine eleven. When everyone was uh, checking in on everyone, sending out these massive emails, and I happened to be going through the list of everyone who was included on an email that I was sent, and I saw the email address, you know, it was either chrisbrogan at gmail.com or chris at chrisbrogan.com. I think he even had that back then, back before there was blogging and journaling, and you know, he was journaling. And so I immediately reached out to him. We reconnected then, and for the next well, probably seven or eight years, uh, just re, you know, our, our friendship reconnected, our families became close and we kind of coached each other through our careers and certainly through his, uh, his rise in, in notoriety and, and, and as he came to write his book and everything else. And eventually he approached me about working with him. And at the time I was running a nonprofit in Western Maine, serving children with special needs and their families. And I loved my work. It's work that I had done for my whole life or my whole, my whole career up to that point, about 20 years of working with children and families. And I said, no, I don't want to work with you. I uh, love you, but no. And then <laughs> I thought about it for a while and you know, found a way to make it work or m- become passionate about what I was doing. That, that was really the key. I had to love what I was going to do with him. So that's how we stumbled into this, and I started out with him back in, I think it was 2010, and it's been uh, a crazy ride ever since. Okay, so I got to ask, president, does that mean that you're his boss, technically? 
<laughs> no, he's he's the CEO. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, Chris and I are business partners in this endeavor, okay. and uh, Chris is the CEO. I'm the president, but uh, that's something he he had founded Human Business Works way back when, and that's what I came on. He hired me on to work with him, but when we reformed and formed Owner Media Group, we became business partners at that point. Gotcha. Okay. So Owner Media, like people are like, well, what does that mean? Like, what does Owner mean? And Chris has been on the show, I think, three times previously. I know he's given his definition of what an owner is, but I'd love to hear maybe does that mean the same thing to you or let's reiterate, let's let's rehash that because honestly, we all need to hear it again from time to time about what, what being an owner is or owning that title of ownership. I don't know exactly what Chris said and, and like in any company or business, there are different iterations of this. But to me, it really means that you take ownership and responsibility for your role and responsibility, no matter what position or business that you're in, no matter what company you work for, that you take personal ownership and responsibility for those things. And you own your choices in whatever venture you're in. So when you make a bad choice, you own that choice. When you make a good choice, you own that. But you also understand that that you are connected to other people and that, that they contribute to this as well. Uh, but really, it is really about owning your decisions, owning your choices, and taking responsibility for that. Gotcha. So wherever you're at, you accept that you're the one who got you there, regardless of outside circumstances. You you own those choices. You own those consequences or rewards from those choices and even the decisions to decide to, to move forward differently from where you're at. Yeah, I you know I don't want to get into a you know a whole philosophical thing about the <laughs> we could, uh, about, but yeah <laughs> about the uh, you know owning your choices regardless of of the past influences, but at the same time here you are right now, and you have some choices in front of you. You whatever however large or small they seem, how many you know however uh, many or few options you feel like you have in front of you, you have some choices to make, and we have to take ownership of those and decide what it is that we want our life. To look like. I think interestingly enough, this almost ties into something unique, uh, circumstantial wise that both you and I have had happen recently, whereas we, we sold our previous home and then moved into a new home. And in the <laughs> process of that had some kind of revelations. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, well, anytime that you're going through years and years of uh, accumulated crap <laughs> in, in your life, you start to question your, the choices that you've made. And I think uh, one of the things that you're, you might be referring to is just that, that question that you have when you are selling your home, you have to set it up so that when someone walks through, they can see themselves living there. And that's not going to work very well if all of your accumulated crap is cluttered about. So as we were shipping stuff off to Goodwill, selling stuff uh, at yard sales or on, on Facebook or wherever, and also sending stuff to storage. And we trimmed down to the bare essentials of what we needed as a family. It was an immensely freeing experience. And we had that that question of why can't we live like this all the time? And so as you start to reconstruct your life in the new home, you start to ask yourself, you know, it's good if you can hold on to those, that question and say, what is it that I need? What do I really need this? And figure out how to 
ask those questions of what use does this have? What value does this have? Does this bring me joy? Does it does it help me to accomplish something? Is it a tool that I can use? And and so I I've tried very hard. We've tried as a family as we've settled into our new our, our new home to construct a life very carefully. We don't always succeed in that because <laughs> there are a lot of shiny objects out there that are really enticing. But but yeah, I think we've done a much better job. Uh, this time, and we haven't unpacked a whole lot of stuff too. Like I have a room filled with boxes of things that I haven't needed to unpack, which is quite nice. I'd like to get rid of those boxes. I'm thinking of burning them. Nice. Yeah, we went through that that whole kind of wow. <laughs> we've done how many garage sales now over the past couple of years, and we still have all this stuff that we got to get rid of before we move because we're not taking it with us. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. We even did a weird thing where we sold the house. And didn't have a new place to move into. So we moved in with my mother-in-law for two weeks while we waited for a rental that was going to be open. We moved into that. And then just now, like literally as of the time of this recording, uh, say about a month now, we've just gotten into our new place that we bought. And even now we're just getting unpacked. And, you know, figuring out where stuff goes. Do we need this stuff? But uh, the weird part about all of it is, again, it's, you know, to maybe even go down a little bit of a philosophical approach. But it's like, do I need all this stuff? And not even from like a minimalist, you know, perspective. This is this is more coming from more of a value perspective. Although minimalism has a lot to do with valuing things the right way, not just in a materialistic sense, but in a, you know, what is my relationship to these people, my you know, my family, what is the what is the proper relationship even? What is the right value to have uh, in these things around me, so it's no it's no question to me. Obviously, we we start shuffling around our possessions and mm-hmm. removing the location that we and our family are in. That some of those almost existential questions come up about you know where am, where am I? What am I doing this for? Is this the right place for me? You know, questions of purpose. All of that kind of stuff starts to come up, and we get that taste of. You know, one, why can't we always live like this where it's nice and clean right. and, and set up and everything? <clears throat> we streamline our processes even. We, we, it's a struggle for us to – when any kind of shakeup like that happens, we struggle to get things kind of back to normal. But I, I wonder if there's not maybe a better way to move forward thinking why not make a new normal. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Well, and I think you're kind of – forced into that in some ways because the setup and layout of everything is just a bit different, but you're right. And part of it is keeping sort of top of mind that question of what value does this bring to this object, whatever it is, bring to uh, my life. You know, there's there's art in our home on our walls. There's pictures of our children on our walls, and that's the stuff that makes me smile. Um, and, and then we have little things, you know, someone might, you know, there could be a yard sale and, and, and we might see, you know, some sort of slicer dicer thing that, oh, you know, this is great. This will be so much easier this summer when I'm, you know, slicing uh, French fries or whatever it is that I'm going to be cooking on, the, you know, and it, it might get one use. So we have this like you can see how you could use something. But really, if you if you think about how often, how many times, how much easier is this going to make my life? How much better? How much joy is it going to bring? Is it going to improve the relationships, as you said? Then if you keep that top of mind, you start to create this little filter. 
yes or no filter. And I, as you were packing, you probably went through this process of throw away, donate, keep. You know, you might have had three boxes. Maybe there was a fourth there. And that's that process becomes really valuable as you bring things in as well. Like, is this something that I would really need and want to keep in my life? Is it going to add joy as I'm bringing something in? I also like to do this if we bring something in, we get rid of two things. Uh, I'm not very disciplined at that, but I, I try very hard to, to follow that rule. So not even talking specifically or just about like moving into a new place, but maybe you know, you guys work with a lot of people who want to move into a new state of life. You know, they want to move into uh, being a different person or their business being a different type of thing or growing themselves or their business to a new level or branching out or growing deeper, all, all of the above, basically, becoming more who we're supposed to be, serving the people that we are supposed to be serving. And there's a lot of talk out there about like, well, where do you see yourself in five years and things like mm-hmm. that? And it's like, yeah, I, I can dream, you know, and, and that's, I think that's what's interesting is we use this word dream. We don't necessarily make plans though, or concrete tiny steps to, to get us to that place. I know that you guys talk a lot about the whole, your day is your week is your month is your year where it, whatever you're doing today towards that is what's going to get you there. Not, Oh, I'm going to do a whole bunch of it. And then I'm going to be there, you know, it's, right. it's that incremental <clears throat> effort, if you will, you know, and, and, and so that's why I, ke- I kind of feel like I've got this plan of what my, uh, to go back to the house, I know, I've got this plan of what my house is going to be like. And so we've made lists of what each room, you know, in this room, this is what we want to do to this room, or this is what needs to be in this room, those kinds of things. Do we need to kind of approach it that way with our life? Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting 
during checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, so uh, taking the, the room analogy, I, I, I like where you're going there. And, and I think instead of thinking about what do we need in it, the question that you want to start with is what what's the experience you want to have in that room? What What's this room for? What's the purpose of this room? And you were talking about your days, your week, your month, your year, which I think is a, a phrase that Chris first came up with. So I'll make sure that I give credit where credit is due, but we <laughs> use it so interchangeably. Uh, these things get lost. But uh, the the idea of establishing a goal or a purpose and the simplest uh, analogy that I use is say, training for a marathon. And I've used this example a couple of times um, before that you can't just say, oh, okay, I'm going to you know, suddenly wake up one day and run a, run a marathon. The way that you're going to get there is you have to run today. You have to start running today in smaller increments. And so there's a certain amount of miles that you want to put in each week. There's a certain amount of miles you want to put in each month uh, to, to start progressing to the fitness level that will eventually enable you to within a year's time or however far out run in that marathon and not just run it but run it well and and finish it well because you've been training all along so every single action boils down to what you do today if i don't run today then i'm not making progress toward that goal if i do run i am you know aside from rest days which are obviously just as crucial in a marathon training as as anything so if anyone's out there telling me that you know I need to, you know, thinking that I say need that you need to run every single day. There is a plan, though, for every single day mm-hmm. in your training, and you have to follow that. In any effort, any eventual future goal, the choices that you're making, that you're owning today, are going to impact that eventual goal. Whether or not you hit the eventual marathon goal, there is a discipline in being and becoming a runner every single day. Then you can lean on it. If you are following a process and disciplined to that process, there's something about those actions each and every day that that gives you ownership, that 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 shows that you are committed and disciplined enough to follow a process like that. And yes. you can then you, you can apply it to so many other areas of your life as well. And, and And sometimes it's remarkable when we can see ourselves following our own plans to accomplish a goal, even if the goal gets sidetracked or, uh, you know, becomes something else, you know, maybe the marathon becomes a triathlon. Maybe the marathon never quite happens this year because there was an injury, you know, eight months into it. The discipline of, of every that you've put in every single day to work towards it is so incredibly valuable. And I look at that with, uh, you know, in, in my daily work now, when I have specific 
goals or, or things that we're working towards, it, it still comes down to the, you know, what, how many miles am I going to put in today or how much time am I going to put in today towards that? I have to crack open that and, and be disciplined to, to that effort. And so often Chris and I will have an idea or have a, a, you know, a goal of what we want something to be or look like in that evolves over time. But the discipline that we've been putting in all along to get us there is, is actually what ends up shaping it into something even better. Yeah. I, I would say that the, the discipline is never wasted. Correct. Like it's always that even if the goal ends up changing the discipline towards the one goal, it may not be a hundred percent applied, but you're going to, you're not going to, you know, dip below say 50%. I mean, it's going to, you know, 75, 80, 90% of that effort put into discipline towards a goal for the most part, I think is going to be transferable to whatever that change in goal is even if it's just character building, to be honest. Yeah. To me, I love the idea of building on your strengths. So when you have uh, something that you've done well in the past, I love to do this with, with, with clients or people who are struggling with, with discipline and staying focused is to look at something that you've accomplished in the past and break down what steps you took to, to get there. And then we take those steps and either replicate that as a system to accomplish the same thing over again, let's say it was getting a job, you know, someone's out there trying to get a new job. And there's a process that they went through to do this the last time they were hired before. So let's talk about what did you do? Let's break down every step that you took. And, you know, whether it was, oh, I I sent out thank you notes, or I networked with, you know, my closest friends, I, I had a little elevator pitch of 30 seconds, and I called up 10 of my closest friends. And I said, hey, this is the kind of job I'm looking for. Do you know anyone? So all of a sudden, you start to piece together a system that you can replicate for success. So if it's running and you're even transferring that, so what did, what did you do every single day that enabled you to go out and run? For me, I struggle with the idea of getting outside. So if once I'm outside, I'm going to run. But if I, it's, it's getting from the bed or the chair or the couch out the door, that is my biggest problem. So I need a little system set up so that I can get out the door. And then I can think about how do I apply a similar system in different circumstances? So if, if it's hard for me to make sales calls, you know, the idea of picking up the phone and actually making the call is really hard, but the space in between me sitting and staring at my computer and picking up the phone is a pretty big one, similar to sitting on the couch and getting outside. So what do I need to have in front of me? What, how can I put success in my way by writing out the name of the person that I'm going to call the night before and their phone number and some notes. And maybe I do that for 10 people. If I have those things laid out, then I'm more likely to do it. So that discipline of running and figuring out what, what was it that enabled me to do that every single day, you can develop little systems to support you to, in, in other ventures. And I like the way that you're, you're approaching it is, is let's, let's, um, let's reverse engineer a success that you've had so that you can somehow, I don't know if psych yourself is the right word but or, or phrase to use here, but yeah, I, I have been in a place in my life where I've sat in front of a computer and known I needed to make phone calls. And it can, if for some unknown reason, it can just be this weird brain fog slash resistance slash procrastination, insert here, whatever you know yep. it, it is for you. But this 
weird disconnect between my brain and my hand and my movement <laughs> yes. and the grabbing of that hand, head, handset back before we had cell phones to use all the time. But, you right. know, it's like, it, it, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong with me? I can't reach and do that. Like, what? why am I not doing that? And, you know, figuring out the ways to just almost like when you're at the top of a roller coaster, just saying, well, I'm up here. Let me reach my arms straight up and just enjoy the ride down. Enjoy that. Yep. It it is uh yeah, so I I take people through that process of examining past strengths and accomplishments. You're right as a way of psyching people up, but also as a way of demonstrating success that they've had because we all feel when we're facing a new challenge, you know, that we're not good enough or we we end up focusing on all the reasons, all the things that we started and stopped, for example. Well, I never completed, you know, the book that I was going to write. I never, I trained for a marathon once before, but I, you know, I, I stopped midway. All of those previous starts and stops end up being far bigger in our mind than the successes we had. Well, if you trained for that marathon, how far did you get? Well, I completed a couple of half marathons. Really? Like that's, that's, you know, two of those add up to one marathon. That's pretty good. <laughs> so, so what did you do to get, how did you train every single day to get yourself in shape to do a half marathon? That's pretty incredible. Let's figure that out. And then we just have to go a step further. We have so many successes that we can use as leverage points in systems that are our own, that we can follow that have already served us well. And if we put those in place, it's a really great jumping off point. And we can learn as we go. You know, there's lots of information out there, for example, about how to train for a marathon or how to make better sales calls or whatever it is. But the thing that gets you going, gets you out the door, gets you to pick up that phone, you've got that already somewhere inside you from previous successes. And then we can hone that. So say we've chosen the right goal and we know concretely what it is we need to be doing daily to move forward that forward in that or or at least in smaller elements if even if it's not a daily thing mm-hmm. but stuff comes up what do we do when quote stuff comes up and interferes with us doing that daily incremental work on our long-term goals it's it's a great question part of it is having it you know deciding ahead of time that you uh, you have it planned and you have it written down and you're more likely to do it. One of the things that I do and I teach, I have a course uh, called Work Like You're on Vacation that I created a number of years ago. And it was based on the this experience that I had when I was on vacation where I had still had some work to do, but I was on vacation with my family. So I got up in the morning and I decided I was going to work on three different projects. I was only going to work for a couple of hours and I wasn't going to check email or social media or anything else. I wanted to get it done. And then I would go to the beach with my family and be able to enjoy the day. And that happened all week long. And I kept going to the beach and saying to my wife, holy cow, I cannot believe how good I feel. I feel like I got more done in those two hours than I do sometimes at an entire day in my office. And when I got back, I started to reverse engineer that experience because I wanted to recreate it. The components are that it was planned. I knew what I needed to do when I entered the day. Everything was set. I limited the project. So it was project limited. Despite anything else I had going on, I had limited my day to three things that I was going to work on. There was a time limit, a specific amount of time I was going to work on. 
and I wasn't being interrupted. I didn't allow interruptions and I, and I was, it was quiet. It was out on the deck. No one was awake yet. So no interruptions whatsoever. Those are some of the components of, of what made it work. So now if I've identified a goal that I'm working on and I, if I've identified the smaller bits that I need to get done to move that, that forward, and it's a priority in my life to accomplish that goal, then those are the first things I'm going to work on in the morning. The first two hours of my day, I'll do three 40-minute blocks where I'm saying, this is important. I'm not going to allow interruptions. I'm not going to check Facebook. I'm not going to check email. I'm not even going to allow interruptions from my own brain to happen. And I'm going to work for those two hours only on those three things, no matter what else is going on. If someone calls me, it goes to voicemail. If my wife calls me twice, I have a little rule with her. She calls once, I don't answer. She calls twice, I know I've got to pick up. <laughs> uh, but So I set some rules for myself, and I just work on those four things. Then if the rest of the day blows up, for, you know, I have four kids, it can blow up pretty easily. Yeah. And if the rest of the day blows up, then I know that I've put in the you know, a successful day, you know, by any, you know, means, because what happens is the reverse used to happen to me. I would leave everything open. I'd come in and kind of let the day hit me through an inbox, you know, checking around, seeing what, you know, what I missed and, and letting people walk in my office and checking in with everybody. And I was attending to everything that was either coming right at me or everybody else's needs. And then I'd find myself in the last couple of hours of the day going, I've got no time. I haven't done anything today. And I'd start to cram it in and calling my wife and telling her I'm going to be late for dinner and then the drive home. And, you know, it was just so I was always feeling like I was shortchanging my work uh, for to respond to everybody else. And so once you've established that that's a priority, I put my work first so that I can free myself up to be available for others later. I love hearing how you've blocked that time out first thing in the morning because it really does follow Cal Newport's deep work uh, plan there. I mean, you're basically, you've got, what, three 40-minute blocks there? Are you taking breaks in between? I take maybe a five-minute break to go refill a coffee or something like that, but that's it. And the other focus trick that I love to tell people about, you know, it's, it's almost magical it's a little app I like to call it, a blank piece of paper and a pencil where you just have those ideas that will crop up and pop into your brain. Uh, like, oh, my gosh, I got to call the vet. Uh, oh, I forgot to make this appointment. Oh, I've got to pick up all those little things or I've got to call so-and-so. Oh, I forgot to email. What we tend to do in those moments is stop and do them really quickly because we don't want to forget. That phrase, let me just do that right now because I'll forget it's horrible productivity advice, I think. And it has caused us to jump around based on whatever pops up into our brain. So what I tend to do is when that thought comes in, I write it down on the blank piece of paper that's next to me. And just I put it somewhere. It's safe. And I get right back to the work that I was focused on. And that allows me to stay in Cal's parlance, you know, stay deep and, and work on the deep stuff. And by just sort of tossing that to the side and putting it there for later when I'll review the list. And after my two hour block, I have a break and I might review the list and, and, and take care of it then, or it might be something I do at lunch or whatnot, but it doesn't distract me from the work that I'm doing. I kind of do the same thing with like my, my Evernote where I'll, yeah. I'll open it up and I'll have a, 
you know, just uh, uh, random ideas or, ra- you know, random stuff I've got to do, whatever. It's it's the – I don't create like separate notes. I create one note and I just drop all the stuff in there and then later in the day, uh, I'll come back to it and say, OK, I've got a half hour right now. Here's all those two-minute rule. Like if, it, if I think it's only going to take me two minutes, in fact, that's what I'll do is I'll kind of do a pass over it and say, OK, this thing's like a 10-minute thing. But mm-hmm. here's the – I'll pull out and say, OK, it's almost like email triage in a way. Uh, yes. But with the ta- with that with that random popped up in my brain distract possible distraction list, so I love that to hear that that you're doing something similar with that. And it's a great place for that two minute rule because the two minute rule I think interjected itself into our entire day. That that's what I meant by that. Oh, let me just do that right now. It'll only take two minutes, or before I forget. Then you're jumping around doing a lot of two-minute activities all day long instead of the deep work. And people misinterpreted it, and it, and it found its way in, into our whole day. So the fact that you batched that out, I, lo- I love that. You know, Keep it, find another time, and then pass through. You're right. Do it. You know, If you can knock it out in two minutes, you've got a half hour of time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I mean, David Allen's the one, I think, who coined it as part of uh, getting things done. But yes. the problem there is people have misconstrued two-minute rule into two minutes right now versus right, two minutes exactly. when it's more appropriate to finish it. Yeah, certainly no fault of David Allen's because I don't think that it was ever his intention. But yeah, I think we, we, we grab onto these things and they become these, you know, they take, a, take on a life of their own. And that's sort of how we all operate anyway, right? We're always reacting and responding to things, whether it's uh, some notification on our phone, you know, a message on Facebook. We, we're jumping around from thing to thing and we don't take enough time you know 40 minutes is not very long if you set a timer and and focus on one thing writing a newsletter or uh you know i know that you do a lot of content creation for uh in, in your role 40 minutes it it goes by cr- pretty quickly and it's fun to kind of set that timer and know when that goes off there's some nice reward like i've been locked in for 40 minutes this is really great and it, it and then you can move on to the next thing, knowing that you've put in the time. Those are really nice rewards at the end of the day, personally, to know that I put in the time. When I go for a run for 30 minutes, I feel darn good about it. And it's the same thing. 40 minutes has that kind of three bears mentality to it where it's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's kind of just right. You know, you haven't done it for 15 minutes and gotten just in to the point where if you stop now, you, you really haven't pushed the needle too far. You've, you've warmed up and then gotten in. But plus, I love that you're taking that, that quick five minute break and then jumping right back into another 40 minutes because if you're doing that, you, you, you really, that first 40 minutes is almost, okay, I've revved my engine and I've gotten somewhere. Let me get up, pump the blood a little bit, sit back down, and now really hit it hard. Yeah, and the, I, I, I agree that and two hours is a lot um, for a lot of people to imagine, you know, setting aside two hours of time. But it is, you know, it, it, we waste, <laughs> we can waste two hours really <laughs> easily. So it is a nice amount of time. You're right that you do need some time to kind of switch gears uh, as well. If you're moving from one thing to the next, your brain takes, it takes a little time to move from one thing and you're carrying, there's this carryover effect that you get from what you were working on. So it does give you some time to get into it, focus, get some real work done and then move on to the next thing. And one of the keys for me to be able to do that is I'm not spending any time deciding in the moment, what it is I'm going to work on for those 40 minutes. I decide that the night before. That example right. that I gave you of being on vacation, I chose those things the night before. So I'll write out what it is I'm going to do 
in those 40 minute segments. And if I need to be as detailed as I can, you know, I was talking about the the sales calls, for example, the, you know, you want to, I want to have as much detail. I don't want to just say, you know, I, I just don't want to write sales calls there because then I won't do it. <laughs> it won't, it won't really happen unless I have everything else that I need. So I write it out ahead of time the night before. And that way I'm not spending any time going, well, what's, what do I, what do I feel like doing? What should I, I've decided. And then I just start working on it. Well, so to go with your making sales calls uh, example and to go back to what we were saying about, you know, psyching yourself into it, one of the things that can make us so just paralyzed in terms of grabbing that phone and picking it up and actually doing the work is all that pre-work that you were just talking about is the fact that the night before, the day before, you've already decided not only that that's what it is you need to be working on, although I don't know that I'd make sales calls at 6 a.m. or however early in the morning, but <laughs> no, you know, no. I'm, I'm mixing the examples all together here, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yes. That the night before or the day before, you've prepped. You say, okay, here's the list of the people I need to call. Here is each of the things that I need to talk to them about. I've prepped that all. In other words, you've passed the baton to future you. So the phone is already in their hand. They just need to start hitting buttons and dialing. Exactly. Exactly. And I, the, the phrase I use for that in, in my work like you're on vacation course, and I um, talk about it quite often is put, put success in your way. It's almost unavoidable to be, to, to accomplish this goal. If you have everything you need right in front of you, uh, I want to be able to almost trip into the action that I need to. I talked to you about this idea of the greatest distance for me when I'm exercising and training is from being inside on a couch or in bed to getting out the door. So an example of putting success in my way or how I put success in my way is to, you know, have everything I need laid out, all of my gear, my phone, my headphones, whatever I, you know, my armband, my watch is charged. All of that stuff is right there and ready. So I don't even have to think about where it is because the more time I have to spend churning about where stuff is, like those those sales calls, the more time I have to think about oh, who's I going to call and what do I, I'm not going to make them. I'm just, I'm not because now I'm spending all this energy trying to gather the resources and I've wasted, I've wasted willpower and decision making efforts and time, all of that, just trying to gather everything. And now I'm just distracted by something else anyway. Well, speaking of distractions, I know that not only do we have all those things that pop up when we're doing the work we're supposed to be doing, if we've gotten that far, hopefully, by doing the planning and setting ourselves up, putting success in our way and tripping into it and even starting the running on that, wa on that work that we need to be doing, two-minute stuff isn't the only stuff that pops up. But not only do five- and ten-minute stuff pop into our head – but whole ideas that we want to go off onto tangent-wise instead of doing the work that we're doing. How do you deal with that? It's hard, but the same, the same method. I just try to capture it as quickly as possible on that sheet and put it down. If the idea is so compelling that it's, and it's in line with something else, I can't even, actually, I can't even think of a time when I've really just jumped completely over into that. But you know, if I were in the middle of writing a book and, and a, you know, a whole chapter just started pouring out of my head. That's probably, that would probably be the one, the one example where I would it'd start to switch. 
because it's in line with another priority. But I just I just try to capture the idea as quickly as possible, put it in that safe place and come back to it. What's going to be the trigger for me to remember it later so that I can really put in the time to work on it because I have made that plan. We're never perfect with this, right? I mean, we right. this is a plan. It, you know, we, we decide ahead of time. It's the system for helping me to stay focused on my priorities and to avoid those sorts of distractions that will pull me off. And it's rare, you know, the ideas will come and, and I jot them down. But those aren't really the it's it's the the space where I'm like, oh, let me just check Facebook really quickly because I feel like I need a mental break because I've been working for five minutes now. It's really hard. You know, like this is what we do to ourselves. <laughs> yes. that we start writing for five minutes and we've got, you know, a couple paragraphs and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. Let me just go check Facebook. What, uh, you know, that uh, that's the stuff that I have to fight against and uh, more than anything. So I just try to capture that idea, sort of recognize that pull. If I have to sort of interdict with something, you know, and saying, stop it, you know, I just might even out loud just say, stop it. And redirect myself and start taking action again and and writing. Well, and these are these things where as you get better at doing it, like somebody who's just starting out and says, okay, you know what? I heard Eric and Rob talking and I really think that for this goal in my life that I want to you know, push the needle forward every day and, and add some bricks to the wall and build that thing, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it first thing in the morning. And Trust me, right now, you may make it through maybe one 40-minute block if you've never done it before, and you're going to start to feel like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? And it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to just be something that comes natural, but from consistently doing it and building up that discipline muscle, then it gets easier to do. And even when it's easier to do, it doesn't mean it's easy to do. Absolutely. And I would say you know, for someone who wants to take that, that challenge on, it all starts with deciding ahead of time the night before. So I I have a block of time near the end of my day where I write out what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, I go through and choose those 40 minute blocks. And we also have a, uh, what we call a nine box, which is a, um, we, we 20, another set of 20 minute actions that we do. Uh, so I plan out my day fully on paper every single afternoon for the next day. So deciding ahead of time what you're going to do and making sure you have what you need to do it. And that I swear by this uh, blank page and a pencil or pen, or pen, because if you can just allow allow that thought to come out, don't fight it. Just like, oh, I've got to call someone. Great. Pick up the pen, write it down and get back to what you were doing. And, and uh, that actually comes from a meditation technique I learned when I was uh, when I was a teenager where you're going as you're trying to, to quiet your mind, which is very much like doing focused work. When you're trying to quiet your mind, these thoughts are going to bubble up. And if you're fighting against them, you're not going to quiet your mind. So you have to let them come up and, and then go back in. And that's this method for me is to let that thought come out, capture it somewhere so I know it's safe, and then I go back into my, into my focused work. One of the other things that comes up as a distraction is it's it's in form of an external distraction, but it's almost an internal distraction if we let it be, which is kind of this comparing ourselves to what other people are doing. Do you have any kind of thoughts on how we can accept that and then let that move on as well? Yeah, I, I talked about this recently, and, and I have um, a couple thoughts because I, I, I never want to discourage people from experimenting and trying new things. 
let me be really clear about that. Chris, Chris Brogan, my business partner, is tremendous at at trying new things and experimenting with them and either they're going to become successful or they're going to fail and he fails very fast so he can kind of move forward and figure figure things out and it's very challenging sometimes for people to watch someone like chris trying all of these new things and thinking to themselves I should probably do that. I should be on Mastodon. I should be doing video blogging. I should be doing more Facebook Live. You know, and all of these new either technologies or ways of communicating and connecting with the people that we serve and growing our business come out very quickly. And we can see that people are having success with them. The challenge becomes if you're going to experiment, you really have to kind of pick one thing and go deep with it for a while. But what we tend to do is we feel like all these people around us, because we can, I can cite 10 different people, you know, uh, you know, Mike Stelzner is doing this great, you know, walk with me video series on, uh, on Facebook Live. Really cool. Chris is doing this new video blog series. Really cool. People are writing more on Medium. If we get overwhelmed by all that everyone is doing and we think we've got to be in all those places and we start to sort of feel like crap for not doing any of it. And we feel this pressure, this external pressure and distraction that we should, we either, we're either missing out or not doing enough. My advice is to be really clear about the best method for you to connect with the people that you serve. If that's doing more on LinkedIn, then by all means, spend more time there. Come up with a deliberate method and a clear plan for how you're going to spend more time there and experiment with it. Go deep with it for a while. But don't get too distracted by the fact that everybody's doing all of these different things and feeling like you should be doing all of those things too. It's not good for our psyches, I think, sometimes when we watch all those folks, unless we are going to go with one person. So if you wanted to look at what Chris is doing on his video blog and think, yeah, I'm going to give that a whirl. And it makes sense for the goal that I have. I can add it to my mix of whatever social media plan you have or whatever promotional plan you have or how you're serving, who you're serving. What is he doing? Break it down and figure out how to replicate some of that or do it in your own way. That makes sense. But we can get overwhelmed by all of these examples of where people are spending their time and all of these different platforms that we feel like we should be on because look at how many people are just killing it out there and I don't think that ever serves very well. I can't help but think of the running analogy and how that applies here where we see all these other people and it gives us the feeling of being lapped like it's a race. Yeah. But it's really a marathon and we're all headed in the same direction towards where we're supposed to be. Yeah. I mean, I have my – when I – am at my you know peak training and I've got a marathon in front of me or a triathlon in front of me, I know the time that I'm going for. What I know is that I'm never going to win that race. I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> going to be in the shape, but I do have a time that I want to, that, that, you know, that defines success for me. And, and that's what I'm training towards. So somebody else's training plan, that's another thing. There's so many different training plans out there. And I worked with a coach for a while, a uh, number of years back when I was training for triathlons. If I was following her plan that she laid out for me based on my goals and, and, and everything else, uh, that, that's great. But if I am also 
reading all these different blogs and listening to videos and questioning her training and saying, well, maybe I should do this and tweaking things and trying new things that are that depart or take me off the plan and don't enhance the plan in some way that just just distract me from the plan that I'm not doing myself a service and I'm not even you know getting what I paid <laughs> what I paid for from her. So part of it is being disciplined enough and confident enough in the plan that you have that you're executing. And if something fits, if I brought an idea back, does this fit in our plan? Is this I read about this? Is this something that fits in our plan? Um, where does it fit in our plan? Then you know, then that makes sense to maybe add that. But uh, but we can get distracted by a lot of what other people are doing out there. Well, Rob, I know that you and Chris are doing a ton of stuff that helps people work through all of these issues and much more in terms of you know their personal issues, but also for their businesses and owning the stuff that they're doing. I'd love for you to share where can people find what you're working on as well as what you guys are doing over at Owner Media. Sure. Uh, Owner.media is our primary business site. And the program that we we talk about a lot is our insider program. And it's what it is, is a group of other owners in various stages of their business, various stages of success, some uh, with large businesses, some with, with you know, some folks who are entrepreneurs. Uh, it's our insider program, owner.media slash insider. And really what we do is bring clarity and action and community together to help people move their business forward. The most beneficial piece of that is our monthly coaching calls that we do where people bring any business challenge to us and we help kind of them help them work through that. We do that live. People submit us questions if they can't be there live and watch the recordings later. But people also get access to all of our courses and our webinars that we do every month. So owner.media slash insider Really, the coaching alone is is the most valuable piece. And there's also a private community, Slack community of other owners and insiders who are actively helping each other out, bringing ideas. Uh, you know, hey, can you check this out? Can you check out this change I did on my website? I'm working on my messaging for my business, whatever it is. And, and folks are connecting and helping each other there as well. Awesome. Rob, thank you so much for talking with me today. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this, and hopefully they head on over to your site and check out what you guys are doing and get even more out of it. Eric, I really appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. I don't know about you, but listening through this conversation a second time through myself, I'm taking notes and thinking about what systems that I can put in place that set me up and pass the baton on to my future self, sitting down and, and doing some of that pre-work that helps me get over the hangups of, oh, I've got this thing I got to do. I don't really want to do it, but I want, I need to do it. Do you ever feel like that? Anyway, I hope that this has made you think. If it has, head over to beyondthetodolist.com slash 173 and let me know in the comments section. While you're there, you can hit share and send this episode to someone that you know will benefit from it just like you. Also, don't forget to consider signing up and applying for the Alt-MBA program by Seth Godin. Check it out at altmba.com or, again, you can email them directly and let them know that I sent you by sending them an email at todo at altmba.com. That's T-O-D-O at altmba.com. Go ahead and apply today. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you'd leave a review on iTunes. You can go to beyondthetodolist.com slash iTunes and leave a rating or a review there. 
for me and the show, let me know how I'm doing. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next episode. Beyond the To-Do List is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.